Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm Eraldo Meglara, and welcome to another podcast episode of A Fit Life on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Entrepreneurship, in my mind, is the most difficult, challenging, nerve-wracking, exhausting, scary, stressful career choice anyone can make. And believe me, I have a ton of other adjectives that I've left out. And how do I know this? Because I myself, over the last 13 years, have personally lived through it every single day. It is a, it is a constant battle that requires you to put out fires every single day. And speaking of battles and fires... My guest on the show today is the perfect example of courage, determination, sacrifice, and perseverance. Zachary Green is a graduate of Roger Bacon High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, and a graduate of Bowling Green State University. He's a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and was a lieutenant with his local fire department. Zachary is the founder and former CEO of MNA Lumaware forward slash Foxfire. Zachary grew the company from the trunk of his car to over 30 million in organic sales and 5 million in venture funding. Zachary recently received the President of the United States E Award for Exporting and has been honored as Exporter of the Year by the Ohio Small Business Administration. He has testified in front of the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives and was named Entrepreneur of the Year by Governor John Kasich. In 2020, Zachary was elected to the Wyoming, Cincinnati, Ohio City Council. And Zachary's new book, Warrior Entrepreneur, was released in September of 2021. And in the first few weeks, it launched to bestseller status on Amazon which is a remarkable feat in itself. So without further ado, please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Zachary Green. Hi, Zachary. How are you? Hi, Araldo. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's a real privilege to speak with you. Oh, it is an honor to have you on my show. I really do. So I have a whole bunch of questions to ask you <laughs> because, right. my God, you're, you are an amazing individual and I've read a little bit about you. So tell us about who you are, and what you have done, please. Certainly. So I guess my, my journey started uh, about 60 pounds ago and 30 years ago <laughs> at, at Paris Island as a Marine. Um, I uh, went through the Marine Corps, did both the enlisted uh, program at Paris Island, went through the officer program at, uh, in Quantico, and then um, I got out in 1999 and the reason I left was there was no combat deployments. I trained and trained and trained the infantry and never got a chance to do anything about it. 
um, got out uh, two years later, September 11th happened, you know, a day that really affected all of us quite deeply. And I had to get back. I had to do something to serve and really wasn't an option at that point in time in my life to join the, the Marine Corps. So I did the next best thing and joined the local volunteer fire department. Now, at that time, I was still um, working full-time at Eli Lilly. I was in brand development and marketing for billion-dollar brands for a big pharmaceutical company. And what I learned there is it's not about the product or the features and benefits. It's about a brand and how the brand solves a problem for a certain group. And the way that came together for me, that intersection happened was about two weeks into my fire training, I got lost in a fire. It was a really horrifying experience. Literally couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Couldn't see anything. When I finally got out of the fire, obviously I made it out. When I got out, I talked to my captain and he literally started to make fun of me. He's like, look, that just happens all the time when you're in the fire industry. You get lost. You get disoriented. Deal with it. And that just didn't sit well. So I saw a really big problem and I created a brand and an idea of how to solve that problem. And it was by using photoluminescent technology. Think of this as glow-in-the-dark on steroids. It charges extremely fast, glows as bright as a flashlight, and glows for 10 to 20 hours before it needs to be recharged. Put a couple products together, wore it on my helmet, on my tools. I go in a couple weeks later. Guys, I'm the only thing I can see down, the, they can see down the hallway. All these guys come up to me afterwards. They start throwing $20 bills at me asking if I would buy them a couple or make them a couple. And I said, look, I'm making them. I'll, I'll get them to you. So over a six month period, I literally just went out of the trunk of my car and sold these uh, helmet bands and tools. What I would do is I'd go to your fire station. I'd say, hey, Geraldo, my name's Zach. I'm a firefighter from Cincinnati. Can we go in the bathroom and turn the lights off together? And if you didn't beat me up, you said, oh, well, actually, that's pretty cool stuff because the bathroom was the only place dark enough to, to see how this stuff worked. Um, eventually, uh, Lily, about six months into this uh, venture, it was more of a hobby than a venture. Uh, Lily um, had an opportunity for people to take an early buyout, which I took. Mm -hmm. And I went to a trade show. Now, at the trade show, we've got these billion-dollar companies with these $100,000 booths. And here we are with our ghetto setup of a soccer tent with sidewalls held together with zip ties <laughs> and duct tape, trying to replicate that dark bathroom or that dark space to show the glow in the dark. We had a line so far and so long during the whole show that the booths next to the other booths came over to thank us because the only way they got traffic was people waiting in line for our booth. Hmm. I booked $100,000 in almost three days. Oh I had God. a little problem. I had no way to make the material. I had no money to buy the raw material. I had no distribution capabilities. I had no warehousing capabilities. So I'm a Marine. We improvise, we overcome, we adapt. We always find a way to accomplish our mission. And, and for me, it was tough. I ended up refinancing my home, maxed out my credit cards, took literally every penny out of my 401k to fill those orders. Over the next year or so, I ended up raising a couple million dollars in venture capital financing with the understanding if we could build this up in the fire departments, which we did, we've got over 100,000 firefighters in 25 countries using our products. If I could do the same thing in the safety industry, mainly around exit signs, there's 100 million exit signs in the United States. They all need batteries, light bulbs, and electricity. There's a loophole in the code that doesn't say 
you need electricity. You just need to make sure it's visible in the dark for 90 minutes. Well, the glow in the dark material actually fit that area. And over the next couple of years, I made about $30 million as the company grew. Wow. So that, that's the good side. That's the fun <laughs> part. But there's a lot I learned along the way, which is really what um, came up with the book Warrior Entrepreneur. Yeah. So let's let's break this down a little bit. So I want to go back a little bit because I want to I want to ask you a couple of things. Um, so what made you decide uh, to join the military? What, what made you decide to do that? Well, it's more than just the military. It was the Marine Corps, which I, I think is very unique to the other branches. Okay. Um, a combination of a couple of things. Number one, it's the toughest, uh, toughest branch to enlist into. Yes, there are other units and other branches, but that's not recruit training. So I wanted the best. I wanted the toughest. I want to know if I'm going to make this commitment, I want to know it really means something. The second of all is their marketing is absolutely brilliant. All they focus on is honor, courage, commitment, being the modern day warrior and the knight in shining armor. And from a very young age, I literally had posters on my walls of, of the Marines and uh, a Lamborghini. Those are the two posters up on my wall where all my friends had athletes and they'd be outside playing soccer and kicking the ball around. I'd be running around the woods, spreading mud on my face. So it was wow. something I wanted to do from a very early age. Wow. And, and that's very, that's admirable because anybody that I, you know, my sister, for example, she, she was in the, in the army. So she retired as a captain in the army. So, and she was uh, deployed to Korea one year and then Afghanistan for a couple. So I have some sense of what it's like to be or, or, or you know, in, in, in an army or obviously the Marines, that's something that I uh, thought about doing myself after high school. Maybe now I wish I did, but regardless, the fire department, what, what got you to decide, okay, now my next step after being in the Marine Corps, what decided you to join the fire department? You know, I have very memorable dreams as a child, very, very young. We're talking probably five, six years old, I remember, uh, of me wanting to be a firefighter, wanting to be a Marine, and wanting to be an entrepreneur. I literally won almost every single raffle and candy bar sale contest growing up because I was just so infatuated with business and marketing, mm. um, fascinated by the fire department. I mean, who doesn't love that as a little kid? So more importantly... The Marine Corps that I was in was very different than the Marine Corps today. We were training for the Russians. You know, my area of operations was in northern Norway to, to get the Russian wave that would have come over the northern flank, and we would have basically been the road bumps for them. Now it's all about terrorism, and now the terrorism area is, I wouldn't say it's gone away, but we're now shifting to China, which is a very different battle, a very different type of approach that we have to take with the new training posture and, and, and the way that we're setting up our literal forces. Um, that component, but when 9-11 happened, it changed. And yeah. the front line of the battlefields wasn't in Afghanistan or Iraq anymore. It was in our backyard. It was in New York City. It was in, it was in uh, you know, DC. It was in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It was in my backyard. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a way to continue that service, which I've had a deep love and patriotism for our country since a very early age and it continues to grow as I get older and that was my way to serve and to, to give back um, and uh, 
it's funny because in the Marines, we have a really great talent of taking things that are really fun and making them as miserable as possible. And in the <laughs> Marine Corps, we have a, um, I'm sorry, in the fire service, we have a great uh, talent of taking things that's really miserable and making it as fun as possible. Mm. Tell me about today's mindset as far as, as joining uh, you know, the military, joining the fire department or a police department or you know, an EMS or, or whatever. Tell me today's mindset compared to, to your days. You know, everyone talks about how they were tougher back in my time or in your grandfather's time or your great-grandfather's time. B.S. The Marines and the military that's coming out today are the toughest and the finest fighting force that we've ever had in the history of our country. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, it's technology. Second of all, you know, we're, we're constantly training and trying to find ways to get better and to do things. The ability, it's interesting, they say that the last living fighter pilot has already been born. That mm. in the next couple of years, there will be no more human fighter pilots. It'll all be drones. And it's interesting how that kind of develops. But what I'm learning is as a society, and that's really the thesis of my book, is that we're really focused on our kids' mental health. And I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. However, at what cost? I think that we're doing a disservice to your mental health by not challenging you, by giving everybody a participation pro trophy, by um, creating safe spaces in college when that's supposed to be the time you're challenged and having debate. And instead, you just simply avoid it because you're being triggered. And what we're doing to that generation of kids is we're not preparing them for their crucibles that will happen later in life. And the thesis of my book is as the warrior, the warrior's way is the hard way, is the difficult way. The warrior uses challenge and adversity as a badge of honor. When I went through the Marine Corps, it was ridiculously difficult. And the reason that was difficult is that it had to prepare us for whatever challenges that we had. And what I started to find was that same challenge that I had in the Marine Corps that made things get easier, even though they got harder, they felt easier because my training was getting better and preparing me. Your whole world or your world is around fitness. You can't gain muscle mass if you just walk in there and take the weakest, lightest five pound dumbbell. You go with the harder stuff, the resistance training. That's what's going to cause those mu muscle fibers to break down and then ultimately rebel back stronger and better. Same thing happens to your character and your, your, your gumption, if you will. So the warrior's journey is resistance and getting you ready for your crucible. Now, we all have a crucible in our life. The crucible could be death, it could be a divorce, it could be a drug or alcohol problem, or it could be a business issue as it was for me. The crucible is that crisis in your life where everything that you've done is not enough to get you through that next crisis. Mm -hmm. In my case, I got a call from my CFO telling them that we had a couple of days of money left and we were going out of business. I had what I thought was a heart attack. I could feel my chest getting tight. I couldn't breathe. I could feel the, the chills running down my arm. Turned out it was a panic attack. It wasn't a heart attack. It was my body's way of saying, hey, this is too much. Right. At the bottom of all of our crucibles is the abyss. And if you spend too much time at the abyss, it will eventually consume you. And the philosopher Nietzsche once said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will stare back at you. So right. if you spend too much time in that toxic relationship, in that bad environment, it, the harder it is to get out of it. To get through your crucible, you can't just survive. You have to transform and conquer. And my transformation that I made, the change that I made was I stepped down as CEO of the company that I started. 
literally equivalent of like having a child and giving them up. And at first I thought that was a bad thing, but it actually was a good thing because if you keep your kid at home when they're 20 or 30 years old and don't let them get out in the real world and, and fall down and get hurt, you're not doing a good job as a, as a parent. And, and I realized that same thing happened with entrepreneurship. And so the book is looking at the science behind that, interviewing in entrepreneurs, people that are just climbing up life's ladder and interviewing the military and historians about this common thread of resistance, crucible, transformation, conquering. Hmm. What's more challenging, becoming an entrepreneur or joining the Marine Corps and, and the, the fire department? One? Hands down, without question, being an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can tell you that I have been taken to my knees harder and more difficult than anything I ever experienced in the Marines. Now, the caveat is I never saw combat. I was in during a time where there was no combat, so I can't talk to that. I saw a lot of very significant issues on the fire department from decapitations to dismemberments to people getting burned up to children getting injured. Mm. Nothing was as tough as, as an entrepreneur. And I think the reason why is, number one, there is no handbook for entrepreneurship. You literally are improvising and figuring stuff out as you go along. You're building the boat as the boat is still on the water and sailing away. And um, it all comes down to you because it's not just the money. It's also your existence. It's everything that you stand for as an entrepreneur is wrapped into that business. And when it goes south and when it fails, or even if it's a temporary failure, it hurts very viscerally. Well, let's talk about staying fit today. How, how do you stay fit? So unfortunately... Um, I'm coming up on my one-year death anniversary, believe it or not. I had COVID uh, very severely in December, spent two weeks in bed, um, not eating, not drinking, eventually went into the hospital, um, spent two weeks in the ICU where I was in a coma for probably most of the time being externally uh, ventilated. And um, when I finally got out and I had a couple of near-death experiences, I mean, literally felt me falling down the black abyss. I could see myself outside of my body. My lungs have been ruined. Um, oh. I'm still having breathing issues. Not as bad now as it was six months ago. I've gained a tremendous amount of weight. I probably gained between 30 and 40 pounds, not just in the last year, just the first month I got out of the hospital because I was taking a ton of steroids for my lungs, but also that starvation when you starve yourself, when you start eating again, it really preserves all those calories because it doesn't know when it's going to get starved again. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of walking. I'm um, really blessed to have moved down here to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. I was just spending an hour and a half on the beach this morning, spent an hour there yesterday afternoon mm -hmm. trying to walk. Um, I still work at Paris Island. So I do um, working with the Marines and a lot of stuff there. I do try to get to the gym a couple times a week. Um, love uh, free weights, love the elliptical machine. Um, before I got really heavy, I, I was biking a lot, but mm -hmm. it's absolutely essential for your mental health and as a entrepreneur that the mind and the body are very well connected and you have to have that release because that stress has to go somewhere. Yes. I sympathize totally with that, with that, that discussion because I don't know if you know that I'm an author as well. I've written a book as well. And my three-prong approach is the exercise, the dieting, and the mental aspect of it, which it's, you cannot have either one without the other in order to succeed in your fitness. But here's something I want to ask you that, I, that it caught my eye in your bio here. You said that you were um, 
appointed by the Obama White House as the U.S. Global Entrepreneur, the Global Entrepreneur Summit. Talk to me a little bit about that. That's quite interesting. I would put that as one of my top three, if not top five uh, experiences of my life. Um, Obama started a Global Entrepreneur Summit to try to give the opportunity, especially the third world and more developing countries, an ability to see the innovation that we have here in the United States. And um, it went on for eight years. The eighth year, he brought it back to the United States. It was in different countries before. And they went out and they looked for 10 US entrepreneurs that represented the best of what we stand for as entrepreneurs and, and small business. And I have no idea how it happened, but I got selected as one of them. And we were all uh, flown into uh, Stanford where it was held. We were hobnobbing with Mark Zuckerberg, Travis Klocknick of uh, Uber, pretty much everybody that's the who's who in the industry. Obviously, President Obama spent time with us there, John Kerry, um, and then had a series of workshops with all these other entrepreneurs and, and getting to meet entrepreneurs from other countries. And it's funny because the common theme, and it's, it's really now that you asked me that question, I never thought about it until you just asked me. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, <laughs> no, I think my book started at that conference. Um, and the reason why was I was so deeply affected by a couple of lectures about them talk, how they, all the entrepreneurs talked about it needs to be that difficult early on in order to survive the challenges that happen later on in your career. Mm. And I also picked out that in um, last year, you were uh, elected to the Wyoming, Ohio City Council. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, my time in the fire department ended about a year or two ago. And, you know, I, I don't feel it's a need. I feel it's like a requirement for me. I have to be in service, serving other people, trying to put the better good above me. And I figured, you know, let's try politics. You know, it's something I was always interested and fascinated on. Um, what I didn't know what I was getting myself into, um, it can get really nasty on lower politics and lower level politics. Um, I've done a lot of work on the Hill and in DC, and I got to be honest with you, every congressman, senator, it doesn't matter if they're liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, they're phenomenal. I mean, these people are absolute, total, complete studs. They have amazing staffs. Everything, every interaction I've had has been spectacular. Um, however, it's pretty darn nasty at that local level. And when the whole George Floyd thing happened and the defund the police movement, and then you throw in the, the, the Trump, uh, you know, dichotomy that we see now, where we're really starting to, to separate and push off to sides. Um, and I was pretty much front and center of that for about two years in my community. Must've been a challenge. All right. All right, Zachary, here's my, my left field question that I ask everybody. You ready? <laughs> Sir. Where do you see yourself five years from now? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I am in the process of starting a movement, this warrior movement. It started with my book, Warrior Entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and it's moving on to a warrior coaching program that I'm going to launch in January. So we're just a few weeks away from that, where we're going to do one-on-one -on -one coaching for 90 days. And each week, we're going to have a different section of the book to talk about and have exercises and when you finish you'll have received your certificate as a warrior entrepreneur it's going to be more focused on small business and entrepreneurs but really for anybody but the ultimate goal in five years from now is i'm starting to recruit former flag level officers people from the cia people with a lot of military experience and corporate experience to start the warrior framework which is going to be a b2b consulting firm where we go out to companies and we teach them how to be innovative and creative like an entrepreneur, 
but yet have the accountability and the framework of the military. And we're going to focus on experiential leadership. Because of COVID now, we're starting to see more push to getting people out of the office. And what we're going to do is we're going to teach a series of tools, think more Sesame Street tools than Harvard Business Review, okay. stuff where we can use uh, post-it notes rather than Excel spreadsheets with macros and pivot tables. Um, and what we're going to do is create a framework of accountability, uh, leadership, and then we're going to get you out of the office and we're going to run you through the drills we did in the Marine Corps. We're like, we build a six foot wall and you have to move a 55 gallon barrel over the wall with two by fours and you can't use your hands. And we're going to show and juxtapose how those same things that you do physically are exactly the same things that happen in your business. And my hope is that by five years from now, we'll, we'll have, you know, several hundred implementers and this program will be uh, going gangbusters throughout the world and, and obviously focused in the U.S., but around the world. Oh, that is, that is awesome, really. <laughs> One last question. Uh, any messages for those who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or maybe have tried being an entrepreneur and did not succeed or maybe there's something they have missed? What, what can you tell those people? Buy my book. It's all <laughs> in the book. So, uh, you can get the book at warriorentrepreneurbook.com. I'm offering a special for your listeners of 50% off on the both the uh, digital book or the hardbound or paperback. You can use the code podcast2021. Again, podcast2021 to get 50% off. And anybody that would be interested in that warrior framework training program that will probably start in January, all you got to do is just fill out the contact uh, information form on the website and uh, would love to have you come along the journey with me. Oh, that is, that is awesome. I'm going to take you up on that offer, actually, because <laughs> I look forward to challenges. Zachary, it has been an honor. I salute you, sir. You are, um, you are a patriot. You are a hero. And, um, you know, God bless you and all your family. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. All the best to you. I really do mean it. Thank you, Araldo. And, and thank you for your service to our fellow citizens and, and, and the work you're doing, it really does make a difference. And, and we're lucky to have you out there. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Take care now. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that is it for this episode of A Fit Life. I want to thank our guest again, Mr. Zachary Green, for a very engaging conversation. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Any comments or questions you'd like to submit, you can do so at Eduardo Meglara on Instagram and Twitter. In closing, still interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For a fit life, I'm Eraldo Maglara here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.